All right, I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we are officially starting an email list as we have some big plans for the podcast and we'll be telling people on the email list first and probably only the people on the email list. So feel free to sign up and get on the email list at f20r.com. That's F as in Frank, two zero R as in red.com. And I'll see you over there. How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very, very excited to be talking to Kevin Sun, who is the founder of Dex. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I've been a user of Dex now for maybe four months, five months. I think when you recently launched and Man, I, I definitely loved your, the direction you're going in, and I'm hopefully, hopefully you're kind of the killer app in this category, but people that are listening have no idea what I'm talking about. So before I go any further, please tell everyone listening, what is Dex and kind of what are you working on? Sure. So Dex is a personal CRM, and it reminds you to keep in touch with people you would otherwise forget. Uh, for people who have a lot of connections or meet a lot of people on a daily basis, it's really useful to help you remember when you last met with someone and what you talked about. All right, so your description of what Dex is simple, but it's so powerful because all we do in, in business and just in life is just meet with other people and have connections, but we're not very good at keeping track of all of them. So I'm kind of curious, kind of why did you decide to work on a, on a personal CRM? And I'd just love to hear some of the, the inspiration behind Dex, and then we'll dive into some of the features and how it works. Sure. So I think I started working on Dex at a similar place to a lot of the other folks who decide to work on the personal CRM problem. Uh, they realize they have a personal problem that doesn't have a great solution, and they decide to build something for themselves. And that was really where I was starting from when deciding to work on Dex. Um, but you know, over time, as you talk to a lot of customers and learn more about the problem, I think you can really start to realize why there has been no breakout personal CRM product thus far. Uh, it's actually a pretty tightly constrained problem. A lot of people want to manage relationships in different ways. And so I've really spent the last six to eight months diving deep into the different reasons why people want personal CRM, how to build something for them, and making that product or making a product that would service some fraction of the people out there. Um, and that's, that's Dex. Um, you know, happy to, happy to dive into and the product direction in many different ways. Let's talk about what, how does someone use Dex? If someone logs in and makes an account, what literally does it look like? What does it feel like? What do they import? Is there an extension? Yeah, for sure. So users sign up on getdex.com. And after you sign up, you have the option of importing data from a number of different sources, uh, from your Google contacts, your calendar. We also support importing your LinkedIn connections and Facebook friends. And through this onboarding process, we help you create a clean, consolidated set of the people that you know. I think that historically, personal CRMs, especially the ones that only live on the phone, don't really take off because there's actually a pretty big cold start problem. You don't really want to enter in all the 100, 500,000 people that you know. And so users, with Dex at least, can get started and import all this information, consolidate it, um, to have a clean set to start with. After that, uh, there's a couple of tasks. 
so first is Dex integrates with your Google Calendar. So after your uh, Google Calendar events, Dex will send you an email before and after your meetings, saying like, hey, you're meeting up with Sarah coming up. Afterwards, uh, Dex will ask you how your meeting went, what with Sarah went. Um, that's one piece of it. It allows you to add in information to Dex easily and with less friction than other solutions. Uh, another piece to Dex is a Chrome extension. So what this Chrome extension does is it makes using Dex much less painful from an accessibility perspective. Instead of having to think about going into your Google spreadsheet, your Airtable, your Notion, it's right there when you're on LinkedIn or Twitter or email, so you can add a quick note or set a reminder without actually having to leave the page or open up a separate app. And then the last piece is just the core experience behind Dex. You know, there's a web experience that we're constantly improving where you can do the all do all the personal CRM things. Uh, we're working on a mobile app as well that we'll, we're going to be releasing soon that allows you to basically add information and view information on the go. When I was a kid, my mom always kept an address book, and she literally had just a, a giant book full of of her friends, you know, and maybe business partners' names, emails, phone numbers, and that hasn't really you know, happened in the digital age. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why hasn't the personal address book um, or, you know, something along those lines made it into its way into this technological era when we rely so much on network for business and personal relationships? Yeah, that's a great question. Something that I've been thinking about a lot. I think there's two different answers to this. One of them is, you know, it's not like this is a, a new problem. So there's a company called Plaxo in the mid-2000s that basically built this collaborative address book where you'd upload your contacts and these contacts would update their information in Plaxo and any updates would propagate to your address book. Um, so, you know, there have been attempts at doing this and there have been many, uh, if you look at the app stores, uh, kind of enhanced contact book or enhanced address book apps. So that's one piece of it. Another piece of it is I think the modern analog to what you're describing, like your mother's address book, you can really maybe tie back to the contacts app on someone's phone right now. But you know, in many ways, they're, they're similar. They're a system of record of, of this contact information. But in many ways, they're also different. I think if you look back through history, you have examples where people maintained more than just contact information in their sources of uh, relationships. So you know, people would often annotate the Rolodexes, for example, with uh, notes on how they've met people. And there's no real analog for that right now. And that's something that uh, Dex was created for and in many ways named after. Um, Dex is also meant to evoke Rolodex, which is something that you, know, you don't really see in the, out in the wild anymore, but something that we're hoping we can uh, reintroduce to uh, for mass consumption. How do you think about product development and knowing what to build. I'm sure your users are pulling you in all different directions and there isn't kind of a roadmap for someone who has successfully done this before. So how do you think about knowing what to build next? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is something that I think about uh, a lot. Uh, there's a couple of different things that I've been trying to keep top of mind at Dex. I think one of them is you're absolutely right. You know, users have a bunch of different directions that they want to pull you in, lots of different feedback and lots of different uh, kind of base problems that they're solving. I think one of them that we're uncovering is like people really want just the power users in the, 
in the world, for example, really want just something that's really powerful and really flexible. They want custom fields and keyboard shortcuts and something that's very web-centered. And then the more casual users want something that's a lot more mobile-centered and something that's a lot more, um, let's say, uh, intuitive rather than powerful. And so balancing this particular dimension, balancing a bunch of other dimensions during this product development cycle is something that is quite tricky. Uh, for Dex, at least, we decided to focus on this power user demographic first, the same uh, power user that would already use a tool like Notion or Superhuman or purchase LinkedIn Premium. And we're going after that kind of like you know, Silicon Valley professional demographic right now. Uh, so that has really helped narrow the scope of what our product development uh, roadmap looks like. Uh, but moving forward, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different directions uh, here. There's a, building something that's more consumer-oriented in a, uh, a mobile app-centered environment, or building something that's a bit more web-oriented in kind of a actual CRM or SMB CRM type thing as well. Let's say in the next five years or 10 years, let's brainstorm for a bit. What are some software tools that you've thought about building to just make Dex better in a way that allows people to understand their network better or meet new people better? Like, can, can you get, go into some of your thoughts on the longer term ideas for, for product? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think maybe one way to frame a lot of the Dex long term vision is I remember in your last podcast with um, Ashutosh at Sinsama, you were saying something along the lines of, that the next crop of billion-dollar companies will fix the problems caused by the first set of billion-dollar companies. And I think one of the things that I've really been uh, focused on and have high conviction on is the problem of relationship management uh, is not solved by LinkedIn and Facebook. I mean, first and foremost, people create spreadsheets of people they know, even though LinkedIn and Facebook exist. And I think that there's a lot of dissatisfaction with LinkedIn and Facebook and these, like, social networks mediating a lot of our social interactions. Um, so one of the things that we try to do at DEX is net negotiate this balance of giving users like this control and this satisfaction and this understanding about the relationships that they can't get anywhere else. And they can get this understanding because they actually take the time to write down what's important uh, about the people that they care about. Um, they take the time to make sure that they set a reminder to reach out. Uh, and they take the time to really map out and understand who matters to them. And I think that's something that uh, is, is one of the high-level product goals of Dex, is build something that is intuitive and beautiful, but also like deeply, profoundly satisfying in a way that um, you can really, really only get by building a product focused on relationships. I want to ask a couple of self-indulgent questions as Go for I, it. <laughs> I, I definitely struggle with relationship management, just like a lot of startup founders. I'm, I'm much better, I think, on the professional side than I am on just the personal friend acquaintance side. Um, so I would love uh, some thoughts uh, you know, from you in general on how can I better kind of manage friendships and acquaintances in a way that allows me to not, for me, I feel like it's like all or nothing for a lot of people. Like you're either like all the time hanging out with friends or you're kind of, you're not at all. So how do you think about that? And, or um, is Dex mainly a tool for professional contacts and usually you should just use it for, for kind of professional networking stuff? Yeah, so let me start with the, the first question, which was like, you know, if I have any tips on relationship management. I think one of the things that I'll point out, which is more just like a, 
like a, an interesting point about self-awareness um, is, you know, you mentioned that you feel like you're better with professional relationships than personal relationships. And I think this is also true for a lot of startup founders or for a lot of people who aren't professionals. And I think the reason why this is, is because professional relationships in many ways seem higher urgency, right? If you don't keep in touch, if you don't follow up, you'll actually lose something of very, very tangible, maybe economic value. And so you'll remember to put them in, you know, if you're a salesperson in Salesforce or if you're, you know, a realtor or a lawyer and accountant, like in some sort of system already, because that's kind of your, your professional um, kind of foundation that you build your business on. But for a lot of more personal relationships, I think there's a lesser sense of urgency to actually take a note of when you last saw someone or what you talked about. And so that's something to just, be mindful of in, in terms of like a habit formation perspective is, you know, I think it's really easy to motivate yourself to like use a CRM when it comes to a prospective client. But when you actually want to, you know, make sure you remember to follow up with a friend, like take the extra step and, and set the reminder. And I think one of the big hypotheses around Dex is like, if we make this whole process easier and less annoying, then more people will do it. Um, for your second question about professional and personal relationships, this is something that I get asked. Uh, a lot. And the short answer is Dex is really for both, both types of relationships. Um, it's for, you know, people who you meet, who um, you maybe meet in a professional context, maybe meet in a personal context, but you want to stay in touch with. And I think the, the delineating line here is not necessarily professional or personal, but rather are these people who are like super close to you or not as close to you? Are they for your closest friends or are they for your acquaintances? And where Dex really shines is giving you that visibility and that extra nudge to stay warm with the acquaintances, acquaintances and your looser ties. Kind of, I'm kind of curious, like how do you, when everyone pretty much is your market, at least anyone in the professional world, how do you think about getting customers? Yeah, it, it absolutely is, which is both in many ways a blessing and a curse. Um, it, it's a blessing because you know, it's a huge town, as you mentioned, but it is a bit of a curse in that um, because it's so open-ended, I think a lot of companies don't exactly know where to start, right, and where to go or who to go after first. Um, so with Dex, you know, we've been exceptionally lucky to have been through the last batch of YC and to get all the, the press that comes from that. And so we haven't actually done much um, kind of paid user acquisition or really focused on distribution just yet. Um, we have a pretty uh, long product backlog that we're working through. A lot of customers that give us feedback. And so we're really trying to nail the product first before uh, shifting our attention to, to customer distribution. But I will say, generally, uh, there are a lot of people working on this problem, and I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of them, and we all, we all have a slightly different take on it. Uh, I think that it's an interesting time to be building uh, products for the prosumer because of this, this trend that you know, the VCs out there in Silicon Valley will tell you about, which is like this enterprisation of the consumer. Like now more than ever before, consumers are actually willing to spend money on software, uh, whether it be like a password manager, Dropbox, a VPN. And so now is, is a very exciting time to be building, uh, you know, software that has such mass market appeal. So that kind of brings me to, to the next question from what you said is why are cons consumers willing to pay money for software? What happened between now and the last decade um, to enable that to happen? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the, the simplest answer um, is that the path has been forged by uh, people ahead of us. Um, and so this consumer behavior is no longer that unusual. So I think I mentioned Dropbox earlier, one of the kind of vanguard companies that has successfully, at least in some ways, monetized um, from consumer. But we've had companies come before us that have charged consumers and with varying degrees of success, but at least now in 2019, I think it is a bit more normal. Things like paying for Evernote, things like paying for even Spotify or you know, Google Plus or Premium or YouTube Premium, stuff like that. I think there's enough precedent out there now where paying for software like Dex or like Grammarly or like any kind of set of productivity tools that will really make you better at your job or a better student or you know, more effective at whatever you want to do actually seems like a pretty reasonable proposition now, more so than uh, before. I mean, I think we've always had people buy software, but having people buy software in this kind of monthly SaaS model and be really comfortable with that is a relatively new development. I'll kind of throw my hat in the ring and, and mention, I also think another, another reason for this is because there are individuals who are becoming brands and just making money off their own, just off their own activity through Substack, through Patreon, through YouTube, mm -hmm. through these different things. And these, it's something that I like to call you Inc. Like people are becoming companies in themselves and I think yeah. because of that, they're willing to invest in that quote unquote company, which is themselves, you incorporated, um, to allow them to, you know, grow as a professional and, and be better at what they do to allow them to make more money to them invest more back into themselves. I think it's a cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the key reasons why people sign up for Dex is this particular demographic of like freelancers or sole proprietors who actually in many ways, use Dex for a pretty professional purpose. But as a one-person company, you're not going to set up Salesforce for yourself with all its you know, fields and pipelines and tracking. Um, so, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like freelancers, creatives, sole proprietors, definitely a big chunk of what uh, you know, these consumer SaaS companies are going uh, for, too. Do you have any strategies on how people can effectively manage their contacts and their relationships like if i have 20,000 people in dex and i want to keep in touch with 5,000 of them for various reasons like are you have you thought about software for that or tools for that yeah this is something that i've recently thought about since we've launched our facebook and linkedin import functionality which is people often have thousands or at least a thousand facebook friends and at least a thousand linkedin connections and when you import everything into dex at least a few weeks ago, our interfaces weren't really built for that. And now we're you know, building a new set of interfaces for that. But there's a couple of thoughts here. One of them is, you know, over, over your lifetime, you're gonna meet people uh, who you won't keep in touch with, or who you probably won't keep in touch with, um, just because of the number of people that you meet. And so giving users a way to add people to Dex, but never really come back, is actually pretty important in that, you know, let's say you meet, Joe Schmo at a conference, he's interesting, you leave a note, you can leave that note out of habit without the expectation of following up with Joe. But in the event that you do, you, you're prepared for that serendipitous moment and you have something to talk about. Um, so that's, that's one piece of it, is like allowing users 
to build that habit to leave notes, but not necessarily force people to come back to every single contact. And, and then there's other kind of more nitty gritty product details, like being able to star contacts, being able to organize contacts, being able to create tags, and also hierarchical tags. Um, so just like smaller product decisions like that, um, I think more, more generally, a lot of the DEX push functionality is pretty closely tied to your calendar. So that's one way that DEX tries to stay as relevant as possible in that it surfaces and asks you about people who you're actually meeting with in, a, in like either that day or in that short term. Right? And so that's something that we, we spend a lot of time thinking about is how can we make sure that we're delivering something that's actually valuable and not, not noise when it comes to relationships. Because I think one of the biggest concerns that we've had is if you import everyone, there's actually still a lot of people you don't really care about. Uh, and so allowing users to take their time to indicate to decks who actually matters to them um, is something that we're still figuring out the best way to do. All right. So you, you know, you, you, you did mention you went through YC. You're working on this product. You're growing pretty organically as of now. I'd love to hear, I mean, what are, when you're not thinking about relationships and when you're not thinking about, about your company, which I'm sure isn't that, that often, but when you do get a second to ponder something else in the world, what do you spend your time thinking about? Whether, if it, whether it's a problem in the world or companies that you think are cool or people that you admire, do you just, what are some of your thoughts if I got a peek inside of your brain, uh, you know, when you're not thinking about that? Yeah, um, I'm a pretty logical person, so I'll break this down into a few areas. I think one piece that I spend a lot of time thinking about, and that's kind of related to work, but you know, still occupies a good amount of time, uh, is just product design and how to make things that actually feel good to use, um, both on a software level and both on a like, real-world level. Um, I try to be mindful of like, oh, this is actually this is actually a great product, and and kind of un unravel why I think. XY is a great product. That's one thing I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, and another piece I spend a lot of time thinking about is just um, kind of how how crazy a place Silicon Valley is sometimes. It is a place that is, um, you know, extraordinarily unequal and in many ways dysfunctional, but it also is one of the most uh, kind of extraordinary places to to start a company and to be someone who's who's young and ambitious and reflect on how opportunity in many ways is so stratified here in Silicon Valley, um, especially in comparison to the rest of the country. Uh, yeah. I want to dive into your, your first point. And you said you, you talk about, or you think about product, product design, user experience. I'd love to hear what are some of your favorite products and, uh, and why? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the cop-out answer and list the Silicon Valley favorite which is Notion. Um, I think Notion is great, and they're doing a really um, interesting job uh, with user acquisition as well. Like, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but they've started doing like, YouTube sponsorships and Facebook ads and paid acquisition. I think it'll be really interesting to witness how Notion transforms from like Silicon Valley niche tool to actually something in the mainstream. And their value prop and their product is something that's super super difficult to explain in one line, but it's really driven by this like, innate product experimentation. It's like, I'm going to sign up, I'm going to play around, and I'm going to get value or, or see value from playing around. And that's something that I admire quite a bit. 
Um, and then I think there's other products out there that um, are less, less utilitarian that I admire. Uh, things like Headspace or things like Gusto that really um, give users a, a well-defined path and do so in a way that um, is, is generally pretty constricted, but also very beautiful and enjoyable. Got it. Yeah, I will. I will admit when you said you were gonna give the classic Silicon Valley answer, I I I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't immediately. I, I thought you were gonna actually say superhuman. So I feel like I hear ah. superhuman all the time. But Notion is also definitely a favorite of Silicon Valley for sure. What a great software! I love Notion too. So a couple more questions for you. So you know, I, I'd love to hear. What have you learned about user interviews or user research or product development yeah. since you have started Dex as you are kind of heads heads down on that process? I'd love to hear some of the learnings you've had over the last year or two. Yeah, for sure. And I'll preface this by saying before Dex, I had been doing uh, exploration on a number of different startup ideas. So definitely have done a lot of user interviews. I think with Dex in particular, there are a couple of things that stand out in the relationship management space. One is just the heterogeneity of this task of relationship management. Um, different user segments want different things, and different user segments have fundamentally different motivations. So being able to pick the user segment to go after, in our case, that Silicon Valley professional, I think is actually is, is extremely important. And focusing user interview on that segment, user interviews on that segment is also pretty important. Um, I'll also add with user interviews, I think it's very easy you know, I think there's like the, the right way to do user interviews and the wrong way to do in interviews. And this is like a pretty well-established thing. Things like ask open-ended questions and don't suggest too much and make sure that, you know, you have, uh, are communicating to user, at least when you're doing prototyping, like how early things are. But I think that with user interviews in the case of, of Dex and the case of personal relationship management, fundamentally, a lot of people don't really know what they want when it comes to personal CRM. They come into the door feeling like they could be better at relationships, um, like yourself maybe, and certainly like myself when I started building a product, but that doesn't really mean they know what features they want. Um, and so trying to have users explain to us during interviews, like would you prefer option A or option B, or tell us about features that they want, is actually a pretty difficult process and a process that often isn't super constructive. Now, on the flip side, there are some users who've actually thought about personal CM for a long time who know exactly what they want, and I'm always happy to take that very concrete feedback. But I think the most common case, at least, is dealing with a lot of um, uncertainty with actual user preference here. Um, so, you know, I remember towards the end of YC sitting down with one of uh, the investors who reached out, and he straight up said to me, like, look, Kevin, you need to stay focused, just ignore all user product feedback and build the product that you want to see. Um, and I'm not taking that advice 100%, but I am keeping in mind how I think for many companies, user feedback can be a distraction that causes a lot of thrash in the beginning, uh, back and forth between product decision A and product decision B, or cause a lot of doubt that isn't necessarily productive at a super early stage and you're still trying to iron out. Well, I have one more question for you. It is a newer type of question that I ask on the podcast. I don't think any of the ones that have been aired so far, I don't think I've asked in any of those. So my question to you 
is what can the forward thinking founder community kind of do to, to help you? Do you have an ask for the community or do you have something that you are in need of that we could potentially help you out with? I would love to hear uh, if you have anything in that category. Yeah. So in terms of asks, especially with other founders out there, um, always would love to sit down with other founders for like a user feedback session. Um, happy to help you think through how you manage relationships, be it with investors, your friends, your family, et cetera. Um, and more concretely, you know, that helps me understand where other founders are coming from because founders are definitely the, the target audience for Dex. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I am a big fan of Dex and a big fan of kind of this category, and I'm looking forward to being your number one power user for the next decade. <laughs> so thank you for <laughs> coming on. I appreciate it. You're very welcome.